Welcome to Sunburnt Country Music, interviews with Australian country music artists. My name is Sophie and I have been interviewing Australian country music artists for over a decade and I still love it. I love their stories, I love their insights and I love their music. So I hope you enjoy hearing from them on this podcast. Riley Catherall is a singer and songwriter who releases music under his own name and is also a member of Lachlan Bryan and the Wilds. Last year, he released the outstanding album, When I Go, but he's already come up with new music, the single Bark at the Moon, and we're going to talk about that and other things. Hi, Riley. Hey, how you doing? I'm uh, very well, thank you. Very pleased to be talking to you about this brand new single, which did not come off your album. (laughs) Normally a person, you know, releases an album only a year ago and they might release some singles from that album, but you've just come up with a completely new song. So for me, that suggests that there's a willingness on your part to create and move on for lack of putting it better. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, like I I definitely got hung up on uh, that record that I put out in the way that it was super important to me, but I also knew that I I needed to move on and move on to the next thing. So um, I found it really hard actually to back up after that, record and write new material um and so this song sort of just happened one afternoon and i was really excited about it and i thought you know what here's the chance to just like take that first step into the next uh into the next thing so yeah i put the song out but it is interesting because i know for a lot of artists they will just keep releasing singles from an album and uh obviously you've been playing at festivals recently you've had some shows performing under your own name um, as well as some shows with the Wilds at festivals. Um, so when you're playing songs from that from your album, does it feel like you're remaking them almost because you you have to let them go in a certain way? You let go of the recorded form and then sort of find a way to make them new when you perform them. Totally, and uh, I think uh, recently I've. Um, I mean, when, when I toured the record initially, I, I, I took my band out on the road. Obviously, um, the way that the songs were recorded were quite involved uh you know layers upon layers of instruments and um it's been nice actually to get out and revisit the songs and perform the songs the way that they were initially recorded in you know just just by by myself so i think um you know sort of i realized that that record was really important for me and i'm probably going to be playing those songs or at least some of those songs for the rest of my life so i guess it is about keeping um uh, you know, that relationship with those songs healthy and um, finding them exciting again by just bringing them down to the way that they were written has um, has actually been really nice, you know. So um, just, I guess, reigniting the spark with those with those songs over and over again. In, and maybe next time I want to play it again with the band and that'll be the, the thing that'll um, keep it new and exciting. But, yeah, for the minute I'm really enjoying just stripping things down again. And it sounds like festival audiences in Europe and the UK enjoyed that as well because you had some great feedback. How did you feel the shows went? Yeah, they were fun. Um, it was, uh, I mean, it was just so cool to get over there and play for uh, people who, you know, have just been itching for live music, just like people back here in Australia. But um, it was nice to know that you travel all that way and the reception is still good um, and yeah, it's really encouraging. I'm looking forward to getting back over there um, by myself in March, April next year. 
And I suppose that's part of the challenge now is that after a couple of years of not being able to get on planes and no shows at all, it's now how do we fit in everything we want to do? And for you being, you know, working on your own music, working on another band's music, I imagine the schedule's looking quite full. It is pretty crazy. Um, we're sort of in a, in a, in a period at the minute, like I'm doing my own tour at the minute and, um, yeah, Lachlan is busy doing the pleasures stuff and, um, we've all sort of got other little projects, um, that happen. Um, cause you also don't, I guess you don't want to saturate the market too much too. You know, you don't, you don't want to be playing all the time, putting music out all the time. You sort of need to give people a chance to miss you, I guess. So, um, it is, it is, it can be tricky to, to navigate, but, um, you know, we make, yeah, I, I think like as musicians do, we, we book things out four or five months in advance. So it's, um, we just make it work. Yeah. So I imagine that Bark at the Moon is in your live set at the moment. Um, and it, as you said, it's a song that, that came to you. And, and from what I understand, you, you came up with the song, you recorded it, producing the track yourself really quickly in a matter of matter of hours. So I'm wondering what the initial spark was for it. Yeah. And you know what, if I knew I uh, would harness that every single day. <laughs> um, I think uh, I guess because uh, as a independent musician, you're constantly putting on lots of different hats. It's not necessarily just writing songs and playing shows. So um, for a long time I was in, uh, you know, put the record out sort of mode which was a lot of business and admin and talking about yourself in the third person which I hate doing um and uh realized that I hadn't written a song for a quite a, quite a long time and so I was writing I guess I just had like a big pent-up uh you know barrel of ideas that was just sitting there waiting to just like tap into them and I think I it was once I got out and started to see some live music again. I like, I really like going and watch it. Like I, I feel like that's what inspires me the most. I, I really don't like it when people tell me what to listen to. So when I go out and find, like stumble upon some live music accidentally, I, um, you know, I, I, I do remember a couple of um, gigs that I went to that I was like, Oh, I like what they did there. Or, Hey, you know, that, that was a cool melody. That was a cool lyric makes me want to go home and write songs. And so, I think enough of those little instances sort of accumulated into one afternoon it all just sort of came flying out. Yeah. And I should point out that when you're seeing other musicians play and you're thinking, I like what they do there, that's actually coming from a place of having studied music uh, for quite a few years because you do have degree qualifications. Yes, I do. <laughs> Remind me of that. Yeah, it's it's funny, and you know, I'm sure a lot of musicians will say this too that it's it can be sometimes hard to listen to music without, you know, that sort of analytical side of the brain on. Um, and sometimes it is important to just go out and enjoy it. And I find that when I just go out and enjoy music, that's when it actually inspires me more than when I'm, you know, out there actively listening to things. I'm intrigued that you said you don't like people telling you what to listen to. Does that mean you don't listen to the radio? No, I don't mind the radio. I think I like the radio because it is random, you know, like, um, and I don't know, like I I like music is such a personal thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like some of the the greatest, my biggest idols, like Jason Isbell, uh, for example, I remember somebody told me to listen to him and then I just, you know, didn't because they told me to listen to him. And then I eventually came around and just like stumbled upon him again and was obsessed. 
but there was something about me discovering it myself that made it as though it was like my own little world and the music was made for me and I could actually connect to the music a little differently rather than knowing that it was a scope of somebody else's admiration for this song or this artist that uh, influenced, you know, was supposed to have some sort of influence on what I liked sort of thing. So, um, yeah, I don't know. That's just a weird thing that I, I guess I have. I don't know if anyone else is like that. Oh, uh, yeah, I, I'm like that. Um, and I also think the stakes are really high when someone you know suggests music to you because when music's a passion, if you don't like what they're suggesting to you, then the stakes of your yeah. friendship are on the line, you know? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. There's a potential I'm going to hate you after this. Yeah. I think it's, uh, it's, it's, I guess it's just a... Uh, you also have to be in different moods, you know, like depending on what sort of music you're after, uh, after at that point in your life or point in your day, really, you know, it's so fickle, I guess the, um, our attention span for what sort of music we like. And so, um, it, things really have to match up to, to, uh, really connect to things. And, um, yeah, often when people tell you, Oh, you, you might like this. And it's just like, yeah, I might, but not right now. I'm into this sort of music today sort of thing. So, yeah. Um, yeah interesting yeah i think it's it is very much a product of of or a function of, of what your mood is and what you need at that point in time um but going back to bark at the moon uh you said of of it this song was a real exercise in not trying to overwrite new material and overwriting somewhat suggests second guessing so do you have a tendency to second guess yourself when you're writing totally um i mean like that's even beyond just a you know the standard sort of editing process that I'm, I think most musicians have when they write something, it's, um, uh, you know, we spend 95% of our day just in crippling self doubt of, you know, what are we doing? We have no business making music or whatever, but I feel as though I was in a, a really unhealthy state where I would start a song and then I would immediately compare it to another song that I had written um, that was, you know, potentially something that I was really proud of or something that did really well um, commercially or on radio and then go, well, there's no point in finishing this song because it's not like that song at all. Um, and this was, I mean, I was excited about this song when it started, but it wasn't until I got to the end that I was like, oh, yeah, that was really good. And I think what it was, it was instead of just practicing starting writing, starting to write a song, you've also got to practice finishing these songs that's also part of the process of songwriting as a muscle and um this is one of them instances that uh it just sort of came out really quickly because i didn't really care about it as it was happening it wasn't like i got hung up on certain lines or certain things um like i used to where it was just about get it done if you need to come back and edit it then so be it but um it just so happened that when i was a little bit more relaxed about it um yeah the song sort of came out in about an hour's time it's interesting what you said about um, needing to be able to finish songs as well, because I think with a lot of creative endeavors, um, you know, that's, that could be a difficulty finishing something. It's one thing to have that spark of inspiration and get all excited about it. It's quite another to commit to the entire process so that you go through that beginning, middle and end. Yeah. I think it, like even across the board, even not just in writing the song or making a music video or even just releasing a song, uh when the song isn't done or the song hasn't been released yet it sort of exists in this infinite uh capacity where it could be something you know and as soon as you actually finalize what that something is it it now has like this quality that cannot be changed anymore and so i think sometimes 
I'll create something and I will purposely not finish it because I can hear, I can hear the rest of the song and I know it sounds great. And I feel as though any attempt to actually reckon with the ending of that song will not be as good as what I think it will be. And I think like it's the same with the release, you know, it sort of exists in this infinity where it just has so many possibilities and then all of a sudden it's real and it's out in the world and people either like it or they don't, you know? Yeah. I guess that is the benefit of live performance though in that you can make, remake that song in, in in any way you like once you're playing it for people, although that, that live, that release version is fixed. But there are infinite totally. possibilities in performance. There is, there is. And I've even noticed it this weekend. I'm on tour. It's the first time sort of playing Bark at the Moon live by myself. And, like, I recorded the thing live and by myself and it was fine, but I've actually been struggling to then take it to the live show. And it's taken a couple of couple of shows to actually figure out how to actually present it um you know your, your voice sort of reacts differently from day to day and on stage into a different microphone it reacts differently i think maybe i overthink it but like yeah, yeah it, there's just so many different uh things to think about or you shouldn't be thinking about i guess <laughs> um but yeah different sort of ways that the song is going to be received and different ways that the song needs to be delivered so it's interesting. But in speaking about the vocal and the microphone, on the recording, there is a real lightness to your vocal, I think, um, in, a, in a way that I didn't hear on any of the songs on the album. So whether it was just a function of recording it quickly and, and as you said, not really caring um, in that moment in time. Totally. I remember I did that vocal take. I just, like, finally edited the lyrics and I just did a quick vocal take before I had to run to the shops or something. Right. And I actually went into the studio with Damien Caffarella and recorded this song uh, properly. Um, and he just, you know, he got this brand new $10,000 mic or some you know, extortionate number. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, it sounded great, but there's something about being in the studio and being forced into this space. Like it's, it's a dead space. It's, you know, it's, it's a really quite mm-hmm. a strange uh, place to be in for an entire day. And at the end of it, I just listened to it and I said, the whole thing sounds tense. I was very stressed at the time. I knew that I had a small window to get the song recorded. And um, I realized that the the very, very relaxed nature of me putting that demo down after I recorded the song, um, in effect, actually uh, captured the what the essence of the song was supposed to be and how the, the feel of the song was supposed to be uh, received. And so... Um, yeah, I think there's doesn't really matter how much uh, you know expensive equipment you have, as long as the take is the right take, then uh, that can perhaps mean um, so much more to the uh, you know the quality of the actual performance. Yeah, right. Um, and Damien did go on to mix the song, and he is your bandmate in the wilds. We should point out, or I should point out. Um, so obviously, you trust him with your work as well as trust him as a bandmate. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I, I, um, I felt really bad actually, because, you know, <laughs> we'd gone through this whole thing of recording it and then it was like, Oh, I don't want to use any of that. Um, and my ability as a, as an engineer, um, is very limited. And this was only supposed to be a demo recording. So I needed, needed to send it somewhere to make it radio ready. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, we've had lots of talks about, you know, the, the sounds that I, like and where I sort of want to go with this, you know, potential next record. And um, 
we had a couple of back and forths and yeah, he's, he's really good like that. And I think because we play in a band together, we know how to talk to each other and not have to tiptoe around each other. It's just sort of like, this is what I want. That's not working. And we don't get sort of hung up or precious about anything. Yeah. Right. Uh, and as a member of the wilds, it is, I mean, you are a, a fully functioning member of that band. It's not like you're just showing up to play gigs, but it's still not you under your own name. I'm wondering what the experience of being in that band has offered you that you've learned as a solo performer, I guess. So have you learned much from being in that band that you've been able to take into your solo work? Oh, so much, you know, and I, it's funny. I often, you know, will um, talk about uh, the logistical nightmares of being in a band with those guys and, um, you know, sleeping, sleeping in a single bed, the three of us for three nights in a row in the UK and all these, you know, less than glamorous sort of situations that I end up in because I'm part of the wilds. But um, I've learned so much about touring and I've, you know, I've, I've, I feel as though I really um, got my stage presence uh, from watching Lachlan night after night and, um, you know, he's taught me a lot about songwriting as has Sean and Calf has really influenced my, um, my guitar playing. So yeah, I really owe a lot to my time that I've spent with them so far. And, um, they've been really uh, encouraging of me as well. Um, you know, I'll, I'll sing a couple of songs in the set nowadays and, um, yeah, it's been really good for me. I, I feel like I've been very fortunate with a few different, uh, people who've sort of taken me under their wing um as i sort of got into this uh this country scene of the uh australian music industry yeah but by the same token i imagine they would feel they're lucky to have found you to put in their band if it's lachlan uh because it's no one's a charity in this situation everyone's trying to make great music totally and you know like i i did have my solo project sort of underway when i joined the band so i knew that it was it's going to be something that uh, you know, was going to be something we'd have to sort of manipulate our calendars a little bit to make it work. But um, they're also, yeah, they're, they're very, um, I guess, aware that I'm also doing my own thing and they, they present me with a few opportunities as well where I wouldn't have them if I, if I didn't know those guys. So I'm very fortunate in that regard. And, um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And, yeah, I w- yeah, as you said, we're sort of on a – not a, an official break at the minute, but we're just spending a little bit of time apart and uh, we'll be uh, back together doing shows in January and in the new year. Well, given that Lachlan forces you all to share a bed while you're on tour, I think it's a good idea to spend some time apart. <laughs> yeah, yes. it's. Uh, I've, I've shared, there was a period there where I shared the bed with Sean, uh, the bass player, more times than I shared a bed with my own partner. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure Sean was lovely. Oh, yeah, no, <laughs> it's fine. We've, we've both learnt to sleep on our backs with our arms crossed. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that you have this new song, Bark at the Moon, um, I'm imagining you're planning to to record um, and release some other new music or is, it, or is it just as it comes to you, you're going to record and release it? Yeah, I mean, like, I'm definitely looking towards the uh, the the next record. I think after this tour finishes, I was no, after this tour finishes, I'll spend a bit of time sitting down and finishing some songs and um, doing a bit of pre-production myself. Um, whether or not that means I'll you know I'll record the the songs myself again, but I uh, I feel like Bark at the Moon was a really good sort of flagship song 
um, as to where I might want to take um, the next record, uh, just sound-wise and um, thematically. So, yeah, I'm excited about what's going to happen next for sure. Well, the album, When I Go From Last Year, was fantastic. Uh, completely understandable that you want to move on from it because you are a creative person and creating new things, but I look forward to finding out what you create next. And you are in the middle of between dates, you're on the road, so I'll let you get back on the road. Thanks, Riley, for Thank talking to me. No worries. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Sunburnt Country Music Podcast. For more Australian country music interviews and reviews and other things, go to sunburntcountrymusic.com or to Sunburnt Country Music on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok.